You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. A true story that many uh, years ago, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the writer of the Sherlock Holmes uh, novels, was quite well known as a prankster. And one day he played a prank on five of the most prominent and influential men of his time in England. And he sent each one of them an anonymous note and it simply said this, all is found out, flee at once. Within 24 hours, all five men had left the country. We're going to talk this morning about the need to come clean so that we don't have to flee. We're continuing in our series we've started a couple of weeks ago called The Road to Recovery. And we've kind of been basing this series on the uh, ministry in part of Celebrate Recovery, which we are in the process as a church, along with several other churches uh, working together to launch this uh, ministry here in Mason City beginning on Tuesday, October 17th. And in your bulletin this morning, you'll find that there is an insert that outlines many of the different uh, volunteer positions that we need to make uh, happen in order for Celebrate recovery to be successful and to have the impact uh, we want it to have. You can choose uh, any number of those volunteer positions and you can choose the frequency. You can say, hey, I'd like to help you once a month. I'd like to be there every week, every other week. You choose and whatever you're able to do, uh, we'll work with you uh, to make that happen. So if any of those volunteer positions look of interest uh, to you, uh, please fill it out and you can give it back to either Janie, uh, Cheryl, uh, myself, and then we'll make sure someone gets in touch with you and kind of helps you got, uh, get uh, integrated in that. Now, for those of you that maybe are not familiar with Celebrate Recovery, again, this is a ministry that happens in about 37,000 different churches uh, across the nation. So we're going to be a part of that number uh, here in a couple of weeks. Um, and if you'd like to kind of get an idea of what is Celebrate Recovery like, we're going to be offering kind of a trial run a week from this coming Tuesday, October 3rd, and we're just going to kind of do the whole program like we would do at a normal Celebrate Recovery. We're going to start with a complimentary uh, meal at 515. Last time I, I said it's just going to be, I don't know if I used the word great meal or fantastic meal or awesome meal or something, and Janie was like, yeah, you might kind of want to tone that down a little bit. And I'm kind of thinking, well, number one, it's free. You don't have to cook it and you don't have to clean it up. To me, that makes it awesome, right? So we're going to start at 5.15 with a complimentary meal. And then at 6 o'clock, we'll start kind of with the large group. And then we'll do uh, kind of the, the things that we would do uh, in a regular meeting. Um, and it just kind of gives us an idea to kind of do a trial run, see, you know, what's working well, what do we really need to work on. And if you'd like to be a part of that, there's also a place at the very bottom of that insert where you can just kind of say, yes, I would like to attend. It just kind of gives us an idea of numbers uh, in preparation. Uh, 
um, for uh, uh, the meal. So if that's something that you'd like to do, uh, we would love to have you uh, be a part of that open house trial run. And then again, on um, October 17th, that's where we'll launch the, me the weekly uh, meetings uh, on a regular basis. And these last several weeks, we've been focusing on that word recovery, celebrate recovery. And we've taken that word recovery, and we've kind of taken each letter in that word recovery, and we've been using it as a means of learning um, how can we recover from life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups, which every one of us have. And I appreciate that many of you have kind of come up and told me how helpful this series has been for you. Um, and I've kind of said, you know, if, if the series has been helpful for you, the ministry of Celebrate Recovery will be even more helpful because it's there that you're going to get even more tools than I have time to give you here uh, in learning how do I recover uh, from those hurts, those habits, and those uh, hang-ups. And again, we've been kind of taking that word recovery. We've been looking at the word. We've been kind of applying God's wisdom uh, in those uh, particular areas. And we started with that letter R. And the letter R there kind of stands for realizing I am not God. I am powerless to control my tendency, and every one of us have this tendency to do the wrong thing. That apart from Christ, my life is unmanageable. That is the first step, and we call that the reality step. It's coming to the reality that you are not God, you need God, and that apart from him, you can do nothing. The letter E in recovery stands for earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, my life matters to him, and that he and he alone has the power to help me recover. We call that the um, we call that the hope step, and that is based on Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6, where it says, anyone, anyone means everyone, anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists, and that he is a rewarder. God rewards those who diligently seek him. The letter C in, in recovery stands for consciously choose to commit all of my life, not just some of it. I'm giving all of my life, all of my heart, my hurt, my hangups, my habits. Um, I'm giving all of that. I'm surrendering that to Christ's care and control. We call this the commitment step. And this step is based on what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. How many of you have felt weary at times and feel like you're carrying heavy burdens? Jesus says, come to me. If that's you, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The fourth step, and we're gonna talk about that this morning, we call that the house cleaning step. And that's the letter O, and it stands for openly examine and confess my faults, my failures, my sins, my mistakes. I confess that to God, to myself and to someone 
I trust. Now this step really has to do with cleaning up our past of being able to let go of, to relinquish the guilt and the shame uh, that comes with that and gaining and maintaining a clear conscience and learning to live a life free of guilt and shame. And again, it's just embracing, it's realizing and embracing the life that God wants us to live. So why is this a step in recovery uh, so important? Because guilt and shame keep us stuck in the past. Whether you realize it or not, guilt and shame has a way of kind of keeping us from growing, uh, from becoming all that God wants us to be. And if you really want to enjoy life, if you really want to be able to live the kind of life that God you know, wants us to live, we have got to be able to break free of guilt and shame. And it's coming to, to realize first and foremost that we don't have to carry our guilt and shame, that Jesus bore that for us on the cross. And here's the thing to remember, you're not alone. Every one of us in this room at various times in our lives have experienced guilt and shame. Every one of us knows what it's like to feel guilt and shame over things that have happened in our lives. We all do. Even if we deny it, we try to cover it up or we try to pretend otherwise. Every one of us in this room, including myself, have struggled with guilt and shame. Romans 3.23, you saw at the very beginning of the video there, it says, for all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned, and we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. That puts us all in the same boat. And one of the effects of, of sin or one of the consequences of sin is guilt and shame. And because we've all sinned, again, we all feel the effects of guilt and shame at one time or another in our lives. So again, you are not alone. And the reason this step is so important is because unresolved or undealt with guilt and shame in our lives can negatively affect us in many ways. First, guilt and shame, it can destroy your confidence. Now again, the main difference between guilt and shame is guilt says you've made a mistake. Shame says you are a mistake. Guilt says you've done something bad Shame says you are bad. Guilt is a focus on behavior. It focuses on something we've done. Shame focuses on self. Shame says I'm bad, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy. And either one of those messages will rob you of your confidence and definitely affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with ourselves, and it definitely impacts our relationship with others. Guilt and shame can make you feel insecure because you're always worried about what happens if somebody finds out about my past? What happens if somebody discovers this part of this chapter uh, in my life that I'm so ashamed of or I feel so much guilt over? What will happen if somebody finds out about that and we become worried and we, we get anxious? If somebody finds out about that, you know, what will they think of me? Will they still want to be my friend? Will they tell others? And so again, we kind of have this worry, this anxiety. 
unresolved guilt and shame, it can become like a cloud that just kind of hangs over our head and it follows us everywhere we go. And it's just influencing everything we do. So it just robs us of our confidence. It robs us of our peace. Secondly, unresolved guilt and shame, it damages our relationships and really kind of hinders them from becoming all that they could be. Guilt and shame, it causes us to respond to people in very unhealthy and unhelpful ways. For example, guilt and shame can cause us to respond towards others in anger. The interesting thing about the emotion of anger is that it's a secondary emotion. And by that, I mean it's not the primary emotion. So for example, when I respond to someone in anger, if I'm angry at somebody, I really need to step back and kind of ask myself this question, what is, what is the primary emotion? What is it that's fueling the secondary uh, emotion of anger? Maybe you're feel, feeling fear, or maybe you're kind of feeling misunderstood, or you feel ignored and you kind of just lash out in anger. That's a secondary emotion. What you want to do is be able to step back and say, what is the primary emotion? What is it that I'm primarily feeling that's driving or, or causing this anger? Guilt and shame can also cause us to respond to others by overcompensating or indulging. As Parents, if you're a parent, we're really good at this. You know, oftentimes we kind of feel guilty maybe if we haven't spent enough time with the kids. And so we'll compensate for that maybe by buying them that PlayStation or some, some such thing like that. So it can cause us to kind of overindulge or it can cause us uh, to um, kind of uh, it, it compensate uh, for a lack in our area. Guilt can cause us to avoid commitment and or depth in relationships. And these are just, again, a few of the ways that guilt and shame can hinder and damage our relationships. The third effect that unresolved guilt and shame can have in our lives is it can get us stuck in the past. Living in the past where we kind of keep reliving the moments that gave us the guilt and shame. Again, it's like, it's like driving a car and you're kind of using uh, the rear view mirror. It's only a matter of time before you're gonna crash. You'll never see where you're going if you're always kind of looking uh, to the past. Now, it's true, the past can kind of give us perspective, but you can't just keep looking at it and living there. And guilt and shame can trap us in this endless game of kind of wishing we could go back and change uh, the past. Any of you ever kind of gotten wrapped up into that where you're just kind of keep thinking, man, I wish I could go back and redo that. I wish I could go back and relive that moment. I wish I could go back and redo that chapter in my life. Yeah, I think we've all had moments where we wish we could just turn time back um, and, and kind of get a, a, a do-over. So let me just uh, talk about um, how do we... Um, let go of the past? How do we let go of, of guilt and shame? If this is you, if you kind of feel you're here this morning, you kind of feel like you're dealing with some areas, some hurts, some habits, uh, some uh, um, hangups that are producing guilt and shame, you may be asking, how do I move through this? 
Well, let me just kind of give you a few of the following steps. First, you just need to take kind of a personal moral inventory. And again, this is one of the things that the ministry of Celebrate Recovery will kind of help and have you do um, in detail as kind of, again, part of the process of working through those issues. So you kind of just take um, some time, you sit down, and you kind of just do a moral, uh, a personal moral inventory. And again, this takes time, and it also takes courage. It takes honesty. And that is you just get alone by yourself, you grab some paper and some a pencil, and you just begin to sit down and kind of just write out the answers to questions like, what is wrong with me? Why do, why do I feel guilt and shame? What is causing me to feel guilt? What is causing me to feel shame? What are things that maybe I've regretted in my past, which I could have done differently? What do I feel remorseful about? What are the changes that I need to make in my life to make my life better, to make my life more like God would want it? And if you don't know, ask God to show you he knows, and he will show you. God already knows what they are. You're not hiding anything from him. And you just write out whatever comes to mind. You just write out whatever he shows you. Now listen to these words from Psalm 139, beginning with verse 23. It says, search me, O God. And that, that's an invitation. We're asking God, God, come in. Look at my heart. Look at my life. God, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting life. So again, it's just asking God, inviting him to come in to search your heart and to reveal to you what he sees. And again, this may take several days or weeks to kind of sort through it all. It also takes courage because I believe unless we are ruthlessly honest about ourselves, you'll never be able to break free from the things that are holding you back. And again, no one needs to see the things that you've written. You're not writing this out so that others can look at it. You're writing it out. This is between you and God. Now, I know some of you may be asking, why do I have to write it out on paper? Why can't I just think about it, you know, make mental notes? Because writing it out on paper, it forces you to be specific. Our thoughts have kind of a way of detangling themselves when they go from thoughts in our brains to words written on paper. It's one of the reasons I like to write out my sermons. It causes me to really think about what am I saying? And does it make sense? Does it make sense? <laughs> Sometimes I'll think, is there a better way to say this? So it helps me kind of detangle my thoughts. It kind of helps give me some structure and some flow. And the same is true when you kind of take the time and you kind of write out that moral inventory of your life. It gives you clarity. It gives you structure. And don't just say, oh God, I've blown it in my life. We all know that much, right? Get specific face reality, be honest, and again, it will help you to start identifying the problems that maybe you're denying or ignoring or kind of maybe downplaying. And again, it's just, what are my sins? What are my faults, my mistakes, and my, 
sins. Second step then is you gotta take responsibility for your faults, your failures, your mistakes, and your sins. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says, the Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. The single greatest holdup, the single greatest barrier to the healing of your hurts, your habits, your hangups is you. I am my biggest problem. Time Magazine once asked several very influential people to write an essay answering this question. And the question was, what is the single greatest evil on the planet? I love G.K. Chesterton's response. He responded by saying, I am, sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. Freedom and healing from our hurts, our habits, our hangups, again, just starts by being radically honest and saying, I am the problem. It's not my spouse, it's not my kids, it's not my boss, it's not my job, it's not the town I live in, it's not my friends. I am the biggest problem and obstacle in my life. That's accepting and taking responsibility for your faults, your failure, your mistakes, and your sins. You don't blame it on other people, you don't rationalize it, you don't justify it, well, no one's perfect. You don't tell yourself, uh, you know, let bygones be bygones. We don't say, well, it's really no big deal. Well, if it wasn't such a big deal, then why are you still reacting to it and allowing it to control and manifest itself in your life? And you don't say, well, it wasn't all my fault. Well, that may be true, but you do need to take responsibility for the part that is your fault, even if it's just 10%. The point here is if you truly want to stop defeating yourself, you start by not deceiving yourself. 1 John 1 verses 8 and 10 says this, if we say or we claim we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we make God a liar. When you say there's no sin in my life, the Bible says you're calling God a liar and his word is not in you. So you make a moral inventory of your life. You take full responsibility for your faults, your failures, your mistakes, and sin. And the third step is, I ask God for forgiveness. Now, sandwiched in between 1 John 1, uh, 8 and 10 is this wonderful promise, this great truth, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. And again, that's, that's, the, that's our step. If we confess our sins. God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now listen to this uh, same verse from a different translation, the Phillips translation. If we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable. I love that phrase, utterly reliable. He forgives our sins and thoroughly cleanses us from all that is evil. So what is the right way to ask God for forgiveness? How do we do that? Well, you don't have to beg God to forgive you. He longs to forgive you. It is in the very nature of God, he desires to forgive you. As a matter of fact, God is more willing to forgive you 
then we are to ask for it. So again, he desires to forgive you. He longs to do that. So you don't have to beg him. You don't have to bargain. You don't, you don't say to God, God, if you forgive me, I promise I will never do this particular sin again. Now, I would tell you, if this is in a particularly weak area of your life, I mean, all of us have kind of got those sins that easily entangle us. They may be different, but the idea is the same. We all have sins that kind of easily trip us up. And if you're asking God forgiveness in one of those areas that where you just kind of get easily tripped up, chances are uh, you're going to have to go back to God again and again and again for forgiveness in that particular area. The truth is there are just some habits, some hangups that are tough to kick. And we're going to need to go to God on a regular basis uh, for, for maybe just one area or one issue uh, in your life. And God knows this. He, he anticipates this and, and he's made a provision for that. And his provision is, is that every time you and I go to him and we confess that as sin, it says that God is utterly reliable. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us. So we don't need to beg. We don't need to bargain. Third thing is you don't need to bribe God. You don't need to say to God, God, if you'll forgive me uh, for this, uh, I'll just do a bunch of really good things. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll pray 15 minutes a day. I'll read my Bible. You don't need to bribe God into forgiving you. So what do you need to do? You just believe that God will do what he says. If we do what the word calls us to do, if we confess our sins, God will do what he promises and says he'll do. He'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I love that idea of admit or, or confess. In the Greek, it, it simply means to speak the same thing. To admit or to confess our sin means that we're basically just saying the same thing about that that God says about it. To admit and to confess our sins means if God says it's wrong, then we say, God, you're right. This is wrong. God, you call this sin, and I agree with you. This is sin. We come into agreement. We come into alignment with what God says. When we admit and confess our sins, when we come into agreement with God regarding the faults, our failures, our mistakes, our sins, we discover that God is utterly reliable, and he is more than ready to forgive and to move forward. Isaiah 1.18 says, no matter how deep the stain of your sin is, I can take it out and make it as clean as freshly fallen snow. Man, what a glorious promise. What a great truth. So you make a moral inventory of your life, take responsibility for your faults, failures, mistakes, and sins. You ask God for his forgiveness. And the final step is you just admit your faults to another person. And I know that this next step can be a really scary step, but I believe it is absolutely essential for your full recovery. James 5.15 rightly says, admit your faults one to another. Now again, stop right here. Admit your faults. I have faults. You have faults. We all have faults. 
So it's not like you're going to be admitting something to me and I don't have to admit something maybe to you or to another person. Every one of us in this room have areas of our lives we need to be confessing to other people. And it says, and pray for each other. Why would we do that? Why would we confess our faults to another? And why would we pray uh, for other people? James says, so that you may be healed. How are we healed? James says, by admitting our faults one to another and just praying for each other. So again, the question, why do we need to drag another person into this? Why can't this just be between God and me? Why do I need to tell another person about this? Because the root of our problem is oftentimes relational. We lie to each other. We deceive each other. We wear masks. We pretend. We deny our true feelings and we play games. It's really what separates us. It's what isolates us from each other, and it prevents intimacy. What James is prescribing there, when we confess our faults to one another and when we pray for each other, this is God's way of freeing us and connecting us to others. The amazing thing is when you do this, when you admit your faults to at least one other person, all of a sudden, there's just gonna come this feeling of freedom. You come to realize that you're not alone. Every one of us have faults and failures and mistakes. And many people have some of the same ones you do. And when you come to realize this, again, it has a way of bringing you closer to people because you realize you're not just here by yourself. You're not just some freak or some weirdo. You're not the only one who maybe has struggled with this issue. Now, I don't mean that you have to go out onto the streets and the first person you bypass, you grab and begin to confess all of your faults to. As a matter of fact, telling the wrong person oftentimes can make for bigger troubles. So who do you tell? Who do you go to and confess? Well, tell somebody you trust. Tell somebody you know that can keep a confidence, who's not inclined to gossip and has a reputation for keeping confidential matters confidential. Loose lips sink ships. So tell somebody you know who will be tight-lipped about what you shared. Also, tell somebody who kind of understands the value of what you're doing. Maybe you could, you know, share this scripture verse with them from James 5.16. And again, they'll, they'll simply understand that you're just being obedient to God's word. They understand the biblical value of what you're doing here. And tell somebody who's mature enough that they're not going to react with shock or horror to what you're sharing. Finally, tell somebody who's mature in the Lord and knowledgeable about his word, enough that they can maybe kind of reflect on this with you and model his forgiveness to you. And again, once you've done all of this, you're gonna find it's very, very easy to let go of the past, to just let go of the guilt and the shame, and to be able just to move on forward. Many of you are familiar with Psalm 51. I've often referred to this as what I kind of call the textbook on forgiveness. Psalm 51, if you're not familiar with the background or the context of that particular psalm, it was written by King David. 
And it was written right after David had been confronted and exposed by the prophet Nathan regarding David's adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the killing of her husband, Uriah. Psalm 51 was David's confession to God regarding his sin. And I believe it also has a way of showing us the pathway to repentance as well. And I believe if it brought God's forgiveness to David, it will surely bring forgiveness to our faults, our failures, our mistakes, and our sins. So just as a, a way of consecration this morning as we uh, end our time together, I'm going to just invite you to stand this morning. And if you've got any area in your life this morning, and, and maybe you just feel overwhelmed by it, maybe there is definitely some guilt and some shame about some things in your past, and you just have never been able to free yourself this morning, we're going to pray through Psalm 51, because I do believe it is one of the most effective prayers uh, of repentance. Uh, and I'm going to allow the worship team to get themselves in place before I start this, uh, so that they can also participate in this as well. I don't ever like this to be a spectator sport. I like for this to be that we're all um, acknowledging that all of us have sinned. Every one of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And, and maybe you're here this morning, you kind of feel, yeah, I really don't feel like I need this prayer of forgiveness. Trust me, there will come a time in your life where you probably will need uh, this prayer of confession. And again, just go to Psalm 51, um, and I'm, I'm, we're just going to go through this word for word. So uh, if, it, if it's helpful for you, it's very helpful for me. Sometimes just holding your hands out like this, it's a, it's a way of just offering. It's a way of surrendering. It's just a way of giving uh, what you're saying uh, to God. So if, if you want, you can just extend your hands out um, in front of you this morning. And just join me as we say this, uh, this prayer of David. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you, God, desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. 
Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Lord, we just thank you again for this psalm. We thank you for the pathway of forgiveness and restoration. And Father, for any who prayed this just from a desperate, from a sincere heart this morning, God, I know, Lord, that you heard that prayer. Father, again, I just ask, Lord, that you would create in each of us, Lord, a clean heart, that you would renew a righteous spirit within each one of us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and make us willing to serve and obey you. We just again thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We invite you this morning following our service. If you Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.